Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookie Podcast. Top 5 straight-to-video VHS horror of the 90s. The Undead Wookie is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookie, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello everyone and welcome back. I am your host Hugh Lloyd as always and thank you so much for joining us on this episode. This episode of The Undead Wookiee is dedicated to the memory of uh, Welsh filmmaker Andrew Jones, um, who sadly passed away on the 15th of January. Andrew has been a guest on the show several times and is somebody that I got to know um, during the course of the podcast and somebody who um, took the time out to read my work, to watch my short films and was always there to give advice um and i felt quite privileged when he invited me down to the set to see uh, the filming of uh, uh one of his last films the haunting of margham castle andrew was a wonderful kind and caring man uh, who gave a number of people their first start within the film industry um he is obviously will be remembered for his films the rob the doll movies um, Halloween Jack, of course, The Haunted of Margham Castle, and, and so many, many more. Um, and this episode is dedicated to his memory. And although Andrew is gone, he certainly will not be forgotten. Okay, as I said at the top of the show, this episode is top five straight to video horror movies of the 1990s. And uh, I've got a fantastic guest, and I can't wait to share that episode. So, uh, Let's dive straight on in. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am joined by the one and only master of multiple crafts, wearer of many masks, the one, the only, Mr. MJ Dixon. How the devil are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. okay. Good. I'm good. As we were chatting a little bit off there. Lovely to hear your beautiful voice again. My dulcet, delicate tones wafting yeah. through the ether. Like money, I just don't get to sit and listen to you talk for an hour or so. Yeah, my wife doesn't say the same thing. Uh, now, we are joined. Uh, well, would you, we, no, we're already joined. Uh, we are talking. Sorry, a lot of caffeine. Um, our top five straight-to-video horrors of the 90s. And... This was just, I had so much fun going back over this. I, we probably could have done a top 20. Yeah, I think we, originally we were going to do a top 10, but I thought, yeah. blummin' heck, that's a long, that'll be a long show. <laughs> Five hours of just yeah. a many rabbit holes that we could potentially Move over Crystal Lake memories, say a couple yeah. and a half hours of us <laughs> yeah. talking about 90s straight-to-video horror movies. <laughs> Oh man, I mean, I had so much fun going through this, um, and some real like moments of oh, is that my top five? Is that really? Am I really gonna? Is this? Is this? But I think it's something that's probably. I think it'll. If somebody asks me again in like another year or so, it may have changed. It may change. So it's not like a hill I'm gonna die on. Yeah. Uh, well, see, I had to make some rules for myself pretty quickly because I was like, I was like, right. Okay. Like you have to ban yourself from like full, full moon movies. Cause I felt like, Oh, that felt like cheating instantly. I was like, you can't, you can't just pick five full moon movies. So 
I mean, that's a podcast in itself. Yeah, that's it a is. show that that is. And I, I, I could feel I was I was quite tempted actually a little while back to do just a full moon episode. Yeah, because uh, well, I mean, you should absolutely. Some of uh, those are just are just oh yeah awesome. I mean, they're awesome. all all exclusively about small creatures attacking <laughs> yeah. large people. Um, <clears throat> but that's fine. That's his niche. He's found he found his niche in the nineties. He did. He did. However, yeah. uh, I have got a Charles Band movie on this list. Oh, excellent! Oh, I have I got a Charles. Know what that is either, so I'm ex- I'll be excited to find out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, but um, I did find it quite hard to pick five straight to video movies because I was like, I was like, that 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 was a straight to video movie. It was like, no. No theatrical release, but because we're in the UK, a lot of films that did get a theatrical release in America didn't get one here. And that was entirely my that was entirely my thinking. Yeah, entirely. So, it was just like, like no, no. I've got two, three, I think actually that snuck that managed to sneak into my list because of that technicality. Um, yes, where I think they they had it. I think at least two of them definitely had a theatrical release in America, but yeah, went straight straight to video here. Um, yeah. So um, one of them, I'll I'll go into it when we get to it, but it's a bit <laughs> of a cheat. But I think it counts. So, yeah, absolutely, uh, <clears throat> absolutely. And, uh, but yeah, it was. I found it really hard um, because once you take Full Moon out of the equation or Charles Band or uh, like. Like it was really hard to find, and then for a while, um, obviously, Giver Two was on there. But then I was like, oh, like I talk about Giver Two so much. Like I thought, pick something else. So, uh, <laughs> and then my brain went, and that's not Giver One. And I was yeah. like, fine, <laughs> fine. Um, so I then for for up until about half an hour before I came on, I was like, oh, I'll just do Drive. And then my brain went, you know, that's not a horror movie, don't you? And I was like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there was a mo. I was sort of, I did think, oh, could we do horror and sci-fi? And then it was like, that's pretty, I could just do Albert Pion films. Yeah. It oh, would just, it I, would, <clears throat> yeah. You absolutely. know, because there's, you know, again, there's some, just some stunners in there, some app and some totally underappreciated gems within uh, within his back catalog because i mean it is you know yeah. i mean sadly passed away recently um but his filmography is vast like incredibly vast yes i mean like the nemesis films the first oh, nemesis is just yeah. it's like a it's a strange film it's like a fever dream at times but the scenes are even more like oh out there. they're yeah. like they become like kind of like conan in the future kind of esque movie oh man yeah like, yeah. uh, my I mean, my pick is uh, it's fairly mainstream, which surprised me because I thought it would be quite obscure. Once, yeah, once <clears throat> once I put my Steve, my love for Steve Wang aside, I was like, <laughs> okay, okay, maybe we can't fit Steve Wang in this time. Um, <laughs> you know, I was like, it's fairly, it's fa- you know, I would consider it a fairly mainstream list. Um, yeah, mine is actually. Me. Because I did think it would be quite obscure. I mean, you you could get people who go, I've never heard any of these films. 
yeah. You know. and, and I and there are times where I think what is mainstream. I've had conversations with people yeah. and they've gone, really? Well, really? <laughs> really? They're films that mostly I would consider well known, but uh, I say that and then people go, there's a sequel to. I don't know, uh, <laughs> Prom Night. And I'm like, there's three sequels to Prom Night. Yes. And then they go, yes. what's Prom Night? <laughs> so. Have you not ever heard of Mary Lou? Oh, God, my God Mary Lou. Oh, yeah. Great film. Great stuff. Um, so as my honoured guest, shall we kick this off with your number five? My number five. All right. So this is this. We'll, we'll get straight. We'll get this out of the way because this is a bit of a cheat. <laughs> Uh, but I think it counts. So this did have a theatrical release in this country, but it was such a flop and it was it was such a low level release that it literally lasted like a weekend in cinemas. Yeah. And then went straight to video about three months later. So I think it counts on that basis <laughs> that I in the short window that it was at the cinema, I didn't manage to get to see it because yes. it was so brief. Um so it is uh, 1998's uh, Stephen Sommers directed Deep Rising. Oh, 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 now that is a belter. That's an absolute belter of a choice. Absolute belter. It is absolutely fantastic. Like, I love it. Yeah. And I think it is really, really underappreciated. Like, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, I mean, famously tanked and almost took him completely out of the picture. Yeah. Um, but it is, it, it's great. It's got a really good cast as well. Like in, an incredible cast. It's got like Treat Williams, Famke Janssen, uh, Kevin J. O'Connor. Yeah. Uh, guy who played, I can't remember his name, Wes Studi. Who played um, yes in the Street Fighter movie? Jason Fleming, a young Jason Fleming, but yes. uh, like um, the guy from uh, who says who to Star Lord in a yes. Uh, like I mean, honestly, it's just like it's a serious, it's a serious cast. Like, um, and it's basically like um. I guess aliens on a cruise liner. Yeah, it's quite Lovecraftian as well with the tentacles yeah, yeah. and all. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's great. And I mean, I, I don't know whether you, are we allowed to go into spoilers here? Yeah, well, I mean, look, this is the nineties. If you haven't seen it since the nineties, well, so, yeah, I mean, jokes on you, you know. Um, Absolutely. What I loved about it was, and I don't know whether you remember this, but when I first saw the film, the entire film is set up that like these creatures are running around this ship yeah all these people and it's like oh my god it's like tremors or something like that you know yeah 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 creatures coming out the vents and eating people yeah and the twist is spoilers so you know skip forward if you don't hear the twist is that these are they're not creatures they're fucking tentacles of a giant fucking octopus monster that's in in the fucking (laughs) hull of the ship oh my god it is incredible it's so fucking good and it yes and it ends on like an amazing cliffhanger that because the film flopped just never got resolved no no and it it, and it's a shame it is a real and i don't understand where the hatred for it comes from i Uh, mean it's it's a little bit cheesy it is a little bit cheesy 
but equally, it's like when virus came out. Virus oh, yeah. is great, for, but people really shit on deep pricing. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I think it's found over the years. It's found an appreciation, I think. But, yeah. But not enough. It oh, is. No. Um, <clears throat> when I started collecting DVDs, um, it was one of the first things I bought. Yeah. Like uh, you know, I think what have I always wanted to own on DVD? Deep Rising. <laughs> that was the end of the list. But, you know, not you know, <laughs> we're there going, not thinking. Oh my God. We'll get Lawrence of you know Lawrence of Arabia on DVD yeah. just to see the the no deep rise it. Father trilogy digitally remastered. No, thank you. No, deep thank rise, you. <laughs> I need that sequel. The only way I'm going to get it now is the straight to video yeah. sequel. <laughs> I buy in every copy of Deep Rising I can find. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's one of those films that like um, that like you just I always have to have a copy of it somewhere like close by. You know, like. Yeah. Um, it you know you, you it's you can't rely on it being on streaming or anything like that. No, so you've got no. To, no, I don't know, think it is. is it, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. I, I actually think, of all places, right now it's available on Disney Plus. <laughs> I love how they just have some really random stuff pop up on Disney yeah. Plus, just completely random. Just class. Just, all I see, you just think, oh, that's not going to be on there. It's like when the Hills of Eyes popped yeah. up and you just think, Jesus Christ. That Fox Mickey. was uh was something for the ages. Uh, yeah. yeah. So although I, I think Deep Rising was a touchstone movie. Um I could be yes. wrong. Yes. I think you're right uh, there. Hollywood, I think Hollywood Pictures, yeah. So that was that'll have been um, I think that was one of their um I think it was one of Miramax's Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> what you call a um like a subsidiary like, yeah like dimension films which you'll yeah. be surprised to know is also on the list oh, uh, i'd expect nothing less nothing uh, less but yeah so that, that's my number five is uh deep rising nice a little nice. bit of a cheat but i guess the cheat out of the way as well i thought so yeah no that's fair enough that's fair enough mine Go is it's a sequel oh wow it's a sequel 1992, directed by Anthony Hickox. Oh, it is Waxwork 2 Lost in Time. Honestly, that's not what I thought you were going to say. What'd you, where do you think I was going? I thought you were going to, I thought it was going to be Hellraiser 3. <gasps> do you know, I thought, I thought with that one, there were moments where it was like, oh, it's, oh, ooh, ugh. but no, I went with Waxwork. And the reason why I did in the end, hang on, is I finally bit the bullet and bought, I'm holding this oh. up, the Blu-ray. Hello. However, it's in, it's the Spanish release because you can't get it anywhere else. Oh. So um, the first time I put it on, I was like, oh, I, this is in Spanish. This is the Spanish dub. I may need to. So you've got to play around, play it around. With, but yeah, oh, it's so much fun. It is so much fun. I mean, obviously, uh, direct sequel to the first waxwork which is brilliant and and again just I, I one that i stumbled across with very little knowledge of um but this one just completely throws out apart from like some of the the jumping into different bit different things and the different scenarios and different seats just throws the first one away completely um i remember very little about the sequel i saw it 
in like 2003, I think. Yeah. Um, straight after I watched the first one, and I can remember some very vague stuff about it, but that's, that's a bit that it. completely blew my mind when I watched it again recently. Martin Kemp is in it as Baron Frankenstein. Yes. Which was like, what? Where did that? And then you know, so you've got uh, obviously Zach Gallagher's uh, Gallagher is back in it. Um, you've got um, Monica in it uh, from the first. Bruce Campbell pops up in just in the best cameo. Oh, right. Uh, in like the haunted house section where he gets his like they just you know he just his character like disappears, taken away, and then they discover him and like all of his ribs they find him like chained up and all of his ribs have been exposed oh, and he's like, like chained up, but. He's still alive, and it, there's obviously there's just loads of slapstick in it, and there's like there's an alien alien style segment in it. It's just so ridiculous, and it is just brilliant. And then like halfway through, it changes from all like the jumping through the various like loops in time and those kind of things um, into like almost like a Death Stalker movie with Alexander um, Goodenough. As the big bad guy. And it's just it's just so much fun. It is so silly. Um and you get Patrick um Patrick McGowan, um or Patrick McNee, sorry, not Patrick McGee, uh, Patrick McNee pops up again as Sir Wilfred. Oh wow. Um, it's just so much fun. It's so silly. Um and Anthony Hickox does a great job with it. Because it I mean, yeah, he always tends to just to be gold with anything he touches on. Like, yeah, I, if, yeah, yeah. he's got like such like a like a clean, polished style to his films. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, his choice of soundtrack on this, it does sound like an Enigma album at oh, times. Right. So you expect the return of innocence to pop up, especially when we get into like the medieval court of things. It's all of it like, oh, and like yeah, just it's, it's one of the, it's one of those ones that. Um, I haven't seen in quite a long time. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it down on my list to do a rewatch. It is. It is really, really fun. And like, like the alien segment is great. The haunted house element. You know, the, the, this bit where they really do, honing in on the haunted, or like yeah. the loud banging of the night. It's so good. It's re- and what's her name? The actress who plays uh, Deanna Troy from Star Trek: Next Generation pops up um, oh, in well. a small cap. It's got it is such a good cast. It's so much fun. It's so silly. And I remember obviously watching Waxwork and then later on discovering there was a sequel. Um and just being like, Oh my god, this is incredible. But yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And to this day, I loved it. So, you know, we're willing to splash out on the Spanish import of the Blu-ray. So uh, well, I think I might have the double feature still somewhere that I've nice. watched it on. Um, so, uh, but yeah, at the time I just like I remember thinking, ah, it's not as good as the first one. But I'd been a fan of the first one for quite a long time at that point. So yeah, yeah, um, I was like, ah, it's not as good as the first one. So like I guess whenever I've come back to Waxwork, I've kind of done the first one, and then I mean, in fairness, Waxwork is a much better all-round film. It's right, more yeah. cohesive. It's more cohesive. It is more cohesive, um, but there is something about Waxwork 2 Lost in Time that just screams straight to video lunacy. Excellent. 
it's oh, just well, it's yeah. just so much fun. Um, you know, unlike I, Bruce yeah, Campbell popped like it up. It, I think. I'd, uh, yeah, excellent. I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll check the good recommendation. It is. It is so much fun. So as we whisk to our number four, what have we got on this one? Oh man, right. So my number four is. Now, this definitely counts. I don't know if this had a theatrical release in... Uh, no, it, it certainly did not. Um, in America, no, it definitely didn't. Uh, it's directed by Jack Shoulder. Um, I'm, I'm assuming his name will pop up a little bit today. Um, uh, and it is... It's a sequel. Oh. Um, and it is 1999, so it just scrapes in. Crawls in uh, there. 1999, straight to video, Wishmaster 2. Oh! Say, now, Wishmaster is an absolute gem. It's a, it's it a is. class. However, Wishmaster 2 is so much fun. It's so much fun. It is. It's really it's really good. And Wishmaster is one of those films that, when, that whenever it's on, I'm like... I can have a bit of Wishmaster. It flies by, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it does not hang around at all. But Wishmaster 2, like, for a long time, was really hard to get hold of here, like, in any way, shape, or form. Um, mm. And during the pandemic, uh, we couldn't really order in, like, physical stuff. And I was like, yeah. man, I really want to watch Wishmaster 2, <laughs> like, so badly. <laughs> but it's not on any streaming services Uh I had three and four on VHS, so I was yeah. safe uh, for those. But um, I ended up getting a free trial of the MGM premium service just nice. to watch Wishmaster 2. <laughs> um, and I was like, because I, I had it on video when it first came out in the late 90s. Yeah. Um, I remember buying a copy of it cheap um, on like X Rental. Yeah. <laughs> and fuck. Like, I could not remember a thing about it. And I thought, but I must have watched that film about 20 times when I was younger. I couldn't remember a thing about it. So we we set about watching Wishmaster 2 um, one afternoon, one summer afternoon. <laughs> and, uh, and throughout the whole thing, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I remember this bit. Every time someone made a wish, I was like, ah, oh, no, I remember. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and because of that, it was just. It was such a good time, like, you know, and I thought, oh, yeah, this is exactly how I remember it. Like, just being tons of fun, like, yeah, um, and a lot like Anthony Hickox, Jack Shoulders, just one of those directors that, like, he's got such like, a clean, precise style. Absolutely. Um, that he's like, he's like perfectly suited for doing like, you know, like, um. I, what I would consider to be like, you know, like nice, smooth, polished sequels to like, you know, gritty, gory horror movies. Absolutely. And I think I think that's kind of something that's missing a little bit today. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, everybody, you know, not to get too sort of, you know, what was too technical talking about Wishmaster 2, but it's like almost today everybody is like some kind of auteur. You know, yeah. everybody, whereas actually there is this, you know, there are, there were these, you know, the, the filmmakers out there like Jack Shoulder, like Anthony Hickox, you know, who could be relied on to bang out absolutely pristine balls to the wall entertainment. They're not nothing massively 
new or inventive, but they would give you solid work, solid entertainment. Yeah. It was always based in a love for the genre. Um, and like, and this is a big thing that miss, is miss, was missing from a lot of films back then, more so I think today, is like, like just a sense of logic like behind the storytelling like that yes i just feel like you don't you certainly didn't always get back in the kind of 80s and 90s but you definitely don't get that today and like it's yeah it's this sense of like everything it has it has a place and makes sense in how the film's put together from literally from the story to the cinematography to the casting choices to the actors playing characters to the editing everything just is well oiled and it all works and it might not be breaking any new ground like you say it, you know yeah. but it's it's just taking what you love about horror movies and going here's some kind of like here's like a nice pre- nicely presented version of that and you go yeah thank you very much you know I, you know and, and obviously people you know talk about it these are rent you know th- these are things that you would rent Do you know you you'd, you'd go to the video store you'd you'd <laughs> happily spend your you know and this is, you know, not counting inflation, you're one pound fifty or, you know, or as it got later on in Blockbuster, as you'd sort of, you know, the the the, uh, the your local video shop sort of slowly declined like to three pound twenty five or something. And you'd sort of think, my God, this is ridiculous. This, this is obscene. You want to be wearing balaclavas behind there, you robbing bastards. <laughs> but you'd you'd happily spend that. You know, and you could, you know, you'd sit there, you'd get Wishmaster 2, you'd get Leprechaun in the Hood. Yes. You'd, you know, you you would, you know, Leprechaun in Space, even. You'd happily do that. You'd happily rent those films. And people are missing out on that today. The yeah, ab- and I think what absolute was joy. A film that you could watch two or three times over the next two days before you had to go back into the you know, the yeah. video's basket or whatever at the yeah. shop so you didn't get your late fees. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, and you want you wanted something like Wishmaster 2 or uh, or Deep Rising or yeah. uh, or Waxwork 2 or, you know, or, or Hellraiser 3. That yeah. You just, like, you put it in, you go, oh, that was good. I might watch that again later on. Like, you know. And yeah. It, and they, they, you know, they're, they're, they're not a slog to get through. They're just fun and made with love uh, like a love for the genre and a respect for the uh, like the fans of the genre and then yeah yeah, you watch them two or three times and then you get or with mortal Kombat annihilation you just rent it for eternity and just watch (laughs) everything on literally on repeat over and over again like you know um well that's what it was like entertainment in video i think used to put out a lot of these things as well yeah Um, yeah i think they had a deal with New Line Cinema, so we, they, we used to get a lot of their stuff. Yeah, um, they always had great covers as well. They always had a great yeah. cover. Yeah. They always had a great cover. Um, yeah, man, that's I can't a great speak choice. For the Wishmaster sequels after that, because I mean they're fun, but they're not good by any stretch of the imagination. But no. well, if you're a fan of franchises, uh, worth seeking out, I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, my number four, uh, and I remember getting incredibly excited to see this. um, And somebody may correct me because this may have had a very limited run um, in the cinema, but I cannot find any trace of it having any kind of uh, cinema run. 
This Bad Boy from 1993, mm-hmm. directed by Mark Jones, uh-huh. starred somebody who would later go on to be part of a very, very successful sitcom. Got very excited when I saw this in Fango. Oh. Was the original Leprechaun movie. Yeah, I knew it was going to be. Just, it's just brilliant. It It is is. brilliant. It is absolute insanity. And it's so much fun. And the cast is just brilliant. Yeah. You've got Warwick Davis, who is just brilliant as the Leprechaun. Just brilliant. Ozzy Davis pops up. Um, Which is just... Uh, um, no, sorry, uh, not Ozzy Jones. Uh, Mark Holton pops up as Ozzy Jones, um, and Joe uh, Volstead um, is in it. You've got Shay Duffin pops up, who just sort of was everywhere at one point. It is just so much fun and just so silly, so I guess, silly. I love it. Uh, I remember being about eleven years old. And uh, this was when I was really first getting into, like, oh, I'm going to be, in, I'm into horror movies, you know. Like, yeah. And we'd walk around the video shops of Siltsworth uh, near my hometown. And, uh, like, Siltsworth had about three or four huge, like, mom and pop video shops, you know. Just, like, yeah. basically just gigantic rooms full of tapes. And uh, I remember there was a little one that we'd walk into, no pun intended. Um <laughs> And right at eye level was the leprechaun cover, and it's just the you know the him peeking around the the, the, yes. door, the black. Oh, as an eleven-year-old kid, I was like, I don't think I can watch that. Like that's too scary. It just yeah, I mean the stuff when you saw the like the st- the, the onset stills when it appeared in Fangoria, um, was just like, oh my god, this looks terrifying. Yeah. How have they taken a leprechaun and made it look just so? absolutely you know shit scary and then you watch it and it's just it's got some great kills in it yeah it's got some tremendous kills in it and like warwick davis really turns up the sinister at times but equally when they're throwing the shoes out for him to mend yeah (laughs) like as a as a teenager when i finally saw it i was like oh this is embarrassing it's a freaking horror comedy isn't it like yeah uh, this is a phobia all over again where yeah. like I'm too scared to watch it and then the whole thing's just you know like just over the top goof like the whole time you know like oh, oh, how embarrassing um yeah weirdly I was gonna put uh, a leprechaun film on but I couldn't decide which one um I nearly went for and this is a really weird side note that I've never really get to talk about so it's good you brought it up um so I ended up seeing Leprechaun 2 first, but under a weird title because it was released in this country um, as One Wedding and Lots of Funerals. <laughs> like, for years, that's it was released to rent as it went straight to video, the second one. I think the first one did have a, sl- a small theatrical release, but I don't remember that at all. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, the second one went straight to video under the title One One Wedding and Lots of Funerals. Um, yeah. And I was like, so I saw that and I was like, oh, this is this is the this is a leprechaun movie. This is what that thing was. Oh, right. Yeah. It's, 
it's like stupid. Oh, for God's sake. Ah. You know, it's like gremlins or whatever, you know. And I was thinking, you know, it's going to be like some sinister little like monstrous creature creeping around under your door. You can't see him, <laughs> you know. God However, damn it. This is the own the sequel. Number two is the only leprechaun movie to take place on St. Patrick's Day. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. Right. This is the kind of useless shit that is floating around in my brain free of charge. This is just like, you know, ask, you know, if I got to remember my pin number or something <laughs> really important. Yeah. <laughs> Forget that. However, lurking in some dark recess of my brain is oh, Leprechaun 2. Only one on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> just. Well, it's weird, you know, literally about three days ago, I watched uh, Leprechaun 6 back to Thahood. Um, mainly because it was just, it was on uh, Free V, I think. And yeah. it's the only one they didn't put in the bloody Leprechaun box set. And it took me, I'm not kidding, years to track down a DVD copy of it. Uh, because I won't just buy off eBay. Like, I, that's... No. You've got, I've got to, I've got to track it down, you know. So, yeah. so it did take me a long time to find a DVD copy of it, but I did when we first moved to Milton Keynes about eight years ago, nine years ago now. I, that, one of the first things I found was a copy of Leprechaun Six: Back to Thahood. Um <laughs> And what the worst thing about it is, um, it is by far, far and away, the best of the leprechaun films in terms of production value writing acting everything they tried really hard to make it a good film like yeah. um i'm not i mean the other ones i love them but you know like the quality on them is subpar at times um yeah but like leprechaun six genuinely feels like a like like a proper film you know what i mean like yeah yeah um, absolutely absolutely and like i just i'm baffled why one they went from like sent you know uh st patrick's day the wedding one yeah um, to vegas to space to the hood and then back just to the hood again like why I just don't <laughs> i don't understand you had like you had like a like a system and you yeah. messed but ironically, it, like I say, it is the abs- absolutely the best of far and away of all of the Leprechaun films. It's just, it's the, uh, yeah, I don't know why or how <laughs> it happened, but it is. It is ju- but, it, they are so much fun, though. They are just yeah, really... Oh, yeah, the first one is really good. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, and to see Jennifer Aniston before, you know, this is her first film. It's her first feature film. Mm. Um, and you can see she is desperately trying. This is her big moment. Yeah. This is her big moment. And it's really interesting to see her sort of taking this so seriously, so deadly seriously, you know, and then she would later on some, some, some tiny sitcom. Um, uh, I know. Yeah. Um, she does make a brief appearance kind of in. Um, Leprechaun Returns, which is a sequel to the original film. Right. Um, but not quite. So, uh, 
the leprechaun pretends to be her. Right. And talks at, with her voice through somebody right. else. And it's someone doing an impression of her, but it's supposed to be her. <laughs> and it's super weird, but it sounds really good. It's that, they've got it spot on. Um, like, but you, you, like, it's the kind of film where you go, well, we know that's not Jennifer Aniston, though. So stop yeah. about, you know, like. I, yeah, um, they probably couldn't even afford her for 20 minutes. Well, they couldn't afford Warwick Davis, so fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that should tell you everything. But I know it's 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 a you know it's a decent enough follow up I would say worth checking out. Um, Absolutely. But I guess it rewrites all the old sequels. Yeah, it kind of undoes a lot of it, doesn't it? It doesn't see you know it sort of splinters off. Um, Although theoretically, you could just say that all the sequels take place after Leprechaun Returns, and it'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, you could get away with that. You could, look, um, far far stranger things far stranger turns have been taken in films yeah yeah um i mean leprechaun 4 is just set in space and gives you no explanation <laughs> as to why i love it when a franchise goes to space yeah me too it is if one of my all-time favorites you've got to go to space that's the rules you know yeah, absolutely it is my favorite thing to do for like because and no explanation yeah. we're in space and everybody that, uh, every, don't Makes perfect sense. I mean, it took Friday the Thirteenth, what ten? Yeah, 10, yeah, yeah. They, you know, but uh, what know. Hellraiser Part Four went to space. Leprechaun Part Four went to space. Critters Part Four, yeah, went to space. Uh, there are more. Uh, yes, ones off the top of my head that I can think of. See, Critters Four is it, it, again. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a yeah. lot of you know. I think lots of people take do take the you know takes it to certain certain pieces of the genre far too seriously by the time you're at part four and it's got in space in it you know where you're going with it yeah like i think as well like you know there's plenty of stuff that takes itself too seriously you know um but you you don't always get uh you don't always get leprechauns in space so you know You've got to cater to that market as well. Absolutely, that is a very niche market, Mike. That's a, that's a good, that's a, a rock solid pick. That. Right. <laughs> so your next pick, my friend. Right. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, oh man, I thought I had all these set up. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I do. I do. I do. I thought <laughs> I had them set up just so I've got uh, the information in front of me. So um, this next one is. Uh, it was made in 1996, so it's slap bang, almost in the middle. Um, it's directed by and has a screenplay by um, the writer of one of my f- my top three favorite horror films of all time, um, which is The Hitcher. Um, oh. And uh, he went on to direct several films, uh, but this was uh, this is probably my favourite of his uh, that he directed. Um, this is 1996's Werewolf Extravaganza, Bad Moon. Oh, what a choice! What a pick! Oh, I didn't. I I got to be honest with you. I did not see that come in at all. What a pick! Great um, film. 
I've no idea if it had if it got a theatrical release, um, but it certainly didn't here. I know that for a fact. Uh, yeah, video premiere, July 1997. So we got it a year after the United States, which it looks like it might have had a theatrical run there. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't, it feels like a TV movie a lot of the time, which is fine. Yes. Um, yes. It's based on a novel uh, by a guy called Wayne Smith um, called Thor, which focuses more on the dog in the story, yes. which is a much smaller part in the film. But it is incredible. It's probably... Uh, well, I mean, up until I would say they made the Underworld movies, it was mm. probably the best physical werewolf I've ever seen on screen. I'm not it talking about, like, you know, like I know American Werewolf's transformation is really good, like, but the werewolf once it's there is a bit. It, it looks like a really pissed off big German shepherd. Yeah, like, or something like, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this werewolf, it, this is the opposite. This film has the opposite problem. Uh, you know, because it was 1996, they were like, oh, well, we can do like Morphin with like digital effects now. So the transformation in it is a bit shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, because they like, it's just like a lot of like digital morphing effects and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the werewolf itself, is incredible like it's probably one of the best live action animatronic werewolves i've ever seen like like i say until you get into like multi multi-million dollar hollywood productions like underworld where they've got all the money and and you know and no sense to throw it animatronic yeah. and stuff like that this was probably the the very best live action werewolf i'd seen in what arguably is a handful of you know uh, there was only a few that even existed, but um... it's interesting, isn't it? When you think about like werewolf movies, lots of people hinge them on the transformation, yeah, and not the final, yeah, not the final result. Um, but I mean, as a as a film, uh, it's just amazing. It's awesome. It's so. I mean, much- Michael Parr is a great actor. Michael Parr is a superb yeah. actor. Great actor. Um, I've not seen this one in donkey's years so it's one of those that i revisit every couple of years um and it's just uh for anyone who hasn't seen it it's like a really simple story it's um like a a a, a, a woman and a son like a single yeah. mother and a son and their family dog uh kind of are getting on with their lives and her uh, uh her estranged brother turns up and starts like living like on in a caravan like outside their house, like, you know, and trying to rekindle their relationship. Um, but it turns out that at night, the dog knows someone's up with him, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, like fucking, I know, something going on with this guy. Um, and it turns out that at night, he goes off into the woods and turns into this fucking raging wolf beast. And it's just, oh man, it's so good. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's night needs as fuck, but it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's it is very 90s, very 90s. I remember it, it has that kind of like sheen shimmer kind of feel to it. Yeah, it's very you... like um, it's like very like stylistic and like um, you know, like where it's hard to describe. Like there's like a like there's like a feel to like 90s films yeah, where they absolutely. started making a bit of an effort to like 
to have like intention in their camera work and like yeah. you know um but yeah it's not so flashy that it's like mtv generation kind of like but it's it's got a bit of style and substance to it you know it was a a couple of years before blade but you can feel it's coming towards that kind of like yeah kind of filmmaking that was that was on the rise at the time and it's yeah it's Oh yeah, it's an absolute blast. So if you if you like werewolf movies, that th- this is it's probably in my top three werewolf films of all time. You know, yeah. Like, um, and I'm a big fan of werewolf films as well. So that's you know that's quite a, quite a high bar. It's um it's I love I love a good werewolf movie because I you know yeah. in terms of like the genre, it's really hard to get right. But once they get it right, it's you know yeah. and I mean there are some great ones out there apart from like obviously the sort of. There are some there are some movies that are just you know you you think about the Howling and the American Werewolf in London and you, you sort of but then outside of those if you got to like Howl I think Howl is a great great werewolf really good and and again really good British cast really good British cast yeah. um, and really atmospheric and the fact that it's all just set pretty much on a train is just such a good premise. Such yeah, a good I feel premise. Like put a dog soldiers in that, in uh, put dog soldiers in this spot. Oh, yeah. I think, although I'm, yeah, I think that was probably about a year too late to fit into the, the nineties. Um, I think it was two thousands. Yes, I think it might have just like. Out. But I, 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 but I think even if I'd had the choice, the werewolf in this wins, wins, wins the day. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, in terms of. Um, yeah, it's just if you like werewolf movies, you want to see a good werewolf, even if you don't like the film, it's worth just sticking around to watch some guy running around in probably, like I say, the best animatronic werewolf costume that existed post uh, pre 2004 underworld Hollywood big budget movies. You know? Yeah, 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 that's a good choice. Okay, here we go. This is based on a Stephen King. Short novel. Uh, I I had to get him in there somewhere. I had to sort of sneak him in somewhere. Mr. King is in there. Stars uh, George Clooney's cousin. Sadly passed away recently. And uh, it's from 1997. Mm -hmm. Directed and co-written by Mark Pavia. And it is Stephen King's The Night Flyer. Oh, Oh, what a choice. Oh, it's such a good, good film. Uh, yeah, Miguel Ferrara is um, George Clooney's cousin. I had no idea. He's George Clooney's cousin. And he's so good in this. He is so good in this. And I mean, in the 90s, he was rent an arsehole in a movie because he just played that sort of really snarky, arrogant um you know, obviously after his turn in Robocop, he is, oh, he's so good. And it's such a good vampire film, such a good vampire film. I mean, essentially, the story is you've got um, two investigative reporters who are work for a really sleazy tabloid magazine. Uh, and Miguel uh, Ferreira's character, Richard Dees, is the biggest sleaze and will just sort of 
he'll tr- he'll show up at crime scenes and photograph the bodies, and he doesn't really give a shit about anybody. Just wants the story. And then there's these series of murders that have taken place um, out at rural airports, um, and uh, basically they think that the night flyer could be a vampire, and the vampire is actually using small airstrips and the t- and is basically he's using a little mini airplane to fly around it. It's so good. And the vampire itself is fucking terrifying. It looks phenomenal. Like, it's what you want to see from a vampire, you know? Like, And this is so gory. It is so gory. Um, it's, it, it's so underrated. So underrated. It does not get anywhere near the love that it should get. Um, it is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. Um, obviously, you know, in the nineties, sort of King stuff sort of ended. You had the longer years, which was yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you had, you had the TV, the the, the the TV version of the Stand, um, oh. with Gary Sees, which was um, directed by one of my heroes, you know, Mick Garris. Um, and it's just brilliant, utterly brilliant. Have you seen the new TV version of The Stand? I haven't, no, no. I did it's watch the old one about three or four years ago in its entirety. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's not aged particularly well, but it's still it's still fun. Um, but it's no, it's better than the I've new version. The new one, yeah. Um, 90s Stephen King-wise, I, I wanted to put Sleepwalkers on my list. Oh, <laughs> uh, like I couldn't, I couldn't argue with its substantial theatrical run that it had here. Yeah. Um, I was like, I was like, I'm sure it went straight to video. I'm sure it went straight to video here. And it was like, no, no, theatrical runs everywhere. Um, so yeah. The uh, other one that I nearly, nearly put on there, but it's a made-for-TV movie, so I thought, uh, it was Storm of the Century. Oh, I like. I was about to mention that when you mentioned the stand. So that was, good, yeah. so good. But Night Flyer is utterly, utterly brilliant, and gets, you know, it looks great. The oh, acting yeah. is superb. The acting is utterly superb. The make the practical makeup effects in it are brilliant, and I mean the fact that they get away with like the vampire wearing a big cape. Yeah, and it's it does not detract at all it's uh, what, so good what i really like is the video cover has like a big bat yeah, it, yeah. like but like uh, it's so cheesy like it doesn't fit with the film at all it's like a plane and then it's got like the shadow of like a bat underneath it oh man yeah it's just yeah. i mean that is the thing it does not i think and this is the thing though isn't it sometimes where we would sort of You'd go to the video store and you'd see these cheesy covers, or you'd see the, and you think, oh, that'll be a bit of fun. And then suddenly you're in the into a real horror. Yeah. You've got something that's genuinely, genuinely creepy. When I was buying Fangoria, so suddenly I was like, okay, like I know what, I know what this is, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that, I, in those days, I'd be able to go into a video shop a bit more. Uh, you know, a bit more loaded on knowledge uh, yeah. than I used to, you know, where I was just walking around going, what's that? What's that? You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, but in some ways that spoiled the mystique of it a little bit because I saw many pictures of the vampire 
before I even saw the film, you know, like blew my mind, blew my mind. Yeah. And this was another one that I had to track down. I had to track down. And in fact, I did buy it off eBay. Oh, I found it on eBay um, for about, I think I had it for a bit of a song actually. I had it for about like two pound off eBay. Um, but yeah, oh God, it's just, just brilliant. Utterly, utterly brilliant and totally, totally underrated. Well, excellent. I haven't watched it in a long time, so it's going to go on my uh, on my list of uh, stuff to do a rewatch on. So, um, my friend, what is your next choice? Right. Okay. This is this is a this is a film that's near and dear. To my, we're we're kind of getting into like my top films of all time kind of area <laughs> now, which is I, I guess understandable. Uh, but yeah. It's uh so this is I'll just I'll just again I like to get the information up. Uh, uh dun, 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 dun. oh man, I've gone too far now. Right, here we go. So this one just squeaks in at the other end. So this was a nineteen ninety film directed by Mark L. Lester. Um and it's actually technically a sequel, but has nothing to do with the original film. I so love it's a that. sequel to uh, the same director's film, Class of 1984. Um, yes. And it is Class of 1999. Fuck, I, see, now that is just, a, I love that. Why didn't I, how did I miss that? Well, it did, it got a theatrical release in America, but it didn't get one here. So I was like, that fucking ah. counts. That fully ah. counts. Oh, I love this film. It's, it's so, so good. Oh, it's brilliant. And it's, uh, it's every... basically uh, like um, high school, uh, high school high meets Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, or no, it's it's more like The Substitute, which was like a big series of films at the time. Yes. Terminator, like, um, and it's just phenomenal. Like oh, absolutely. One of those films that like I was like, why have I never heard of this? Like, because I, I saw it in like kind of like it must have been the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, the big thing that sticks with me is that uh, Midger did yeah. a song at the end of the film called "Come the Day" that he hates. Yeah, and I. <laughs> fucking love it like honestly <laughs> like it's still one of my favorite songs to this day like and for years um i bought the dvd and had to record the um the track off the end credits onto like a tape because <laughs> um like you couldn't buy it no you know no um no. but it's just phenomenal the film itself is just phenomenal just everything about it is so good Stacey Keach is in it. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. Um, Apparently Malcolm was only on set for two days. That's all they could afford him for. (laughs) Pamela Greer. Yeah. Um, John P. Now, John P. Ryan in this, there is a scene where he spanks people. Oh, man, yeah. Just so bizarre. It's just like, hmm, don't know about that one, but okay. I love it. There's a scene that I always remember where all the kids are fighting, like, and the teacher comes in, he's like, quiet down. And they all sit down, like, freeze in place. 
and then out of nowhere, this fucking paper airplane just goes <laughs> and like hits yeah. and it's, a, it's obviously like a pure onset accident. <laughs> but once you see it, you're like, oh my god, that's amazing. Like, as a teacher, those moments, mind you, not only are they terribly infuriating when they happen, they are comedy gold dust because you've got to try and keep it together and maintain that sort of kind of vote. But yeah, Which, well, I'm sure it would be easy if you were a. Uh, um, uh, a ruthless, soulless, cybernetic organism. Shaped like Pam Greer. Yes. Oh, it's just brilliant. Utterly brilliant. And it's like the world is like, it's kind of dystopian, isn't it? It's kind of like a dystopian future. Yeah. Um, oh, it's great. It's utterly oh, brilliant. Yeah, apparently, I like, I, I've never understood the connection. Apart from that, they're kind of, I guess, about high schools. Um, they are they, very different it's a, films. It's a follow-up to, like, a sequel to Class of 1984. Like, which I, I guess, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very I don't, different I've films. never understood. Uh, I, I, there is a sequel to, a direct sequel, weirdly enough, called Class of 1999 to The Substitute. Um, so, uh, but I, like, I can vaguely remember, you know, a handful of things about it, but. And the other thing, it's a Vestron as well. It's yes. a Vestron release, which are oh, yeah. great covers, that gray little like line with the, with, ah, oh, just superb. So many memories of, uh, I, I've got it on Blu-ray actually. Yeah, they did. Uh, they uh, I can't remember who did it. It's the guys who do the full wraparound covers. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, they did a, a release of it recently, um, and it's just gorgeous looking. Yeah, like um, oh yeah, hell of a film. Like oh. it's uh, it's one of those I watch a couple of times a year, um, and obviously I watch the end credits probably once a week. <laughs> you know, just for that fucking midget <laughs> song that he hates. That love. It's called Come the Day. By mid-year, if anyone wants to look it up. Honestly, it's a beast of a song. It's fucking incredible. Oh, super. Now, mine is uh, we are is one of my favourites, actually. Um, and it's by one of my favourite directors, by Stuart Gordon. Oh. It's a Charles Band-produced film. Uh-huh. It is from 1995. Uh-huh. It is Castle Freak. No, uh, that's not the film I thought you were going to say at all. Castle Freak. Oh, just. Right. I've always wanted to talk about this. This is a bone of contention in this house. Um, <laughs> but right. And I say this all the time. So this drives my wife insane. But I need to know. I don't know whether we'll even get a definitive answer. Is it Castle Freak? As in. A castle freak, or is it castle freak? As in, like it's a castle of a freak. Like you see what I'm saying? I think no it one is a. Answer. I think it is a castle freak. So the cast, so the freak lives comes with the castle. Right. See, so that's what I thought. But then, in an interview, Stuart Gordon said off the cuff. Castle Freak, like it was all one word, and I was like, "Oh well, that fucking changes everything." <laughs> like, <laughs> so What's the fucking kibosh on that theory. Castle Freak or Castle Freak, 
Like, I've honestly, fuck, man. This has driven me mad for years. See, this is where punctuation is important because it's the difference between knowing you're the shit or you are the shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, uh, without a colon, speaking of shit, so that a colon yeah. in the middle, <laughs> we don't know whether it's Castle Freak or, uh, or Castle Freak. Um, but yeah, it's that's a good choice, man. Oh, I mean, I have, Jeffrey I have Holmes, uh, an action figure of the Castle Freak somewhere. Oh, amazing! Um, amazing. Which is what started this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but every time I bring it up, my wife goes, "Shut up right now!" Like, <laughs> no, I mean well, Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton. Yeah. Um, just a pair of them on screen together after reanimated as well. Yeah. Um, they're just superb, utterly, utterly superb performances. And Jeffrey Combs is so good in it. Jeff- he's good in everything though, isn't he? Oh God, he's so good. He's such a talented actor. Um, I mean, obviously, anybody who doesn't know, it's uh, a troubled couple with their blind daughter end up inheriting, as you do, just randomly, a 12th century castle. Um, unfortunately, lurking in the basement is a monstrous, hideous. Castle Freak, <laughs> or or is it, or is it because they inherit Castle Freak? Yeah, nobody knows. <laughs> I mean, this film is not for the faint-hearted at times. It's really not. Yeah, it it, uh, it really goes to some. I've, I've, I've just got uh, obviously IMDb plays the trailer in the background, and there's some bits of this freak jumping around that are just. Yeah. It is it is deeply disturbing and um, uh, I feel like it's the precursor to like, you know, like naked booby monsters that you get in every film now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it feels like that that's where this like design came from was like, you know, like these kind of like skinny, pale skinned, naked like monsters yeah. there that are like the in thing now in every horror film. <clears throat> um, yeah. And I I think this is done so well. The practical makeup effects are done so well and it's so disturbing. And they are, you know, it, it's just it's just a great, great film. And I mean, like the production on this was a bit of a nightmare because they kind of almost ran out of money. It was almost shut down. Yeah, well, I mean, um, it is a it is a full moon production. So. It, it it is indeed, and like you know, I think you know Stuart Gordon like literally begged, borrowed, and stole to get this done. Yeah, I think the somebody's going to correct me on this now. Um, is the castle they're actually filming in belonged to Charles Band or somebody he knew? Uh, well, so I think I don't know this a hundred percent. So again, so I'm sure people will correct me, but um, <clears throat> I believe what happened is that he got access to this castle and was basically like let's make as many films as we can because <laughs> the they did it so like the, pe- like the pendulum got done there didn't it yeah it's like subspecies i think was filmed there yeah, like first yeah. one of the sequels um like there's like a whole slew of like um what you call it like full moon movies suddenly just randomly take place in a castle um but the downside of that is it was like you 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 get like six days to film like you know a feature. I don't, I, to be honest, I think this was a little bit before the kind of six day runs they used to do. But uh, you know they didn't have much longer than that. I think they had you know a couple of weeks or whatever to to shoot 
to to shoe on location because then they'd be out and the next team you know and would be in yeah be in shooting something else um which i mean in terms of you know budget filmmaking very clever in terms of being an artist absolute nightmare no and i mean like the the prosthetics took six hours to put on the actor six hours of makeup to, to sort of get that look um which is not great if you if time is of the essence you know um well the other thing i loved about this is you know it, it's, it's vaguely based on lovecraft's the outsider vaguely yes um because obviously Stuart gordon famously did a you know has done a run or, or did a run before his passing um of of Lovecraftian movies, and I think this and Dagon are amongst my favourites. Yo, Dagon's amazing. Um, well, this uh, IMDb, the most uh, reliable source in the world, of course, it does is. say that. Um, although it doesn't mention him by name, it's very vague. But it says <laughs> that um, the castle uh, is an Italian castle owned by the president of Full Moon Pictures, the distribution company. So, at uh, it doesn't mention Charles Band by name there, but I guess. Yes. Um, I mean, Band is just, he's a, you know, he is, I think him and Coleman are probably some of the best sort of. Oh, absolutely. Like, well, they know how to get their money's worth out of. Uh, yes. Out of things. But yeah, this was, uh, this was the, the full moon castle era. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that makes sense. I mean, it's very much like, it's not even uncommon. Like, if you watch any Blumhouse movie over the past yeah. five years, they're all filmed in the same house. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, they just own this house, like, out in, like, you know, that's, like, quite nice out in some, like, yeah. American suburb. And they just, like, redress it for every single... Th- and every time you watch a film, like, by Blumhouse, you're like, oh, there's that house again with well, exactly there's... the same layout. How pissed off would you be if you're one of the neighbours? Oh yeah, I know. Well, I mean, it is quite detached, but still, yeah. You know, like you just because you know the the Arctic lorry, you know, the trucks rolling in. Yeah. Uh, you just think, ah, oh, God, here we go. Somebody's going to be screaming bloody murder at some point. It's just a vision study of somebody leaning out yeah. the window. Some of us are gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go to work tomorrow. Debbie and Jason Blum. <laughs> one. Get your ass out here. <laughs> I don't care for your artsy kind of ways <laughs> in your flashy camera movement. I got a 12 hour shift. You've got low lying flog, fog all over the streets. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh well, man. So what's your choice. next? Yeah. What's your next choice, my brother? Right. This is my number one choice. Uh, this is going to surprise you. I would have thought, I, I think this actually might be secretly my favorite film of all time. But I tell everybody it's something different. <laughs> to uh, I mean, technically, it's not wrong. So, and I have said this before. So, let me just uh, let me get the information up. Not that I need it. <laughs> this one. Um, but um, okay. So, it's a mid '90s film, and it stars infamous Avenger and Hollywood. Uh, A-lister who has a huge film out this year, Sir Paul Rudd, and it is Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers. Oh, 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 oh my Honestly, God. when I tell people 
this might be my favorite film of all time they go like what the f-? like it's one of the most hated films of all time and i'm like <laughs> maybe to you but to me uh, like when i say halloween's my favorite film what yeah. i really mean is like mostly the entire franchise what i actually mean is, is like halloween six <laughs> i mean that sir is some bold choice <laughs> bold... like how could it not and the best part is it gets in on a technicality because it did get a theatrical release in america it did but then about three months later just went straight to video here yeah i mean i think part four is probably one of the best slasher movies ever made uh for me I would consider very much like I consider Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back to be on equal footing. Yeah. I would say that I consider Halloween one, four and six basically to be like a perfect like trilogy of slasher movies. Like I consider them all to be on an even keel. And a lot of people won't like the fact that I'm comparing Halloween six to, um, you know, to the first one but um it's a misunderstood masterpiece um <laughs> and once you start delving into its production history it is probably the most fascinating film in the universe i mean in terms of troubled sets and yeah. how it got finished is a miracle yeah and how it got finished twice with yeah. two completely <laughs> yeah. different stories is just like i just i don't even know it is impressive mind you. it is incredibly impressive that i that they done it um and it does take the it does take the film into like a very very strange strange sort of new I way i see the thing is for me as a a fan of the series yeah it starts answering a load of questions that I wanted answering. And I right. was like, okay, here we go. Like, let's get them, let's get them answered. Like, because I, like, I mean, growing up, Halloween one was the first horror film really that I ever watched. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly the first one that left any kind of, you know, mark on me. Yeah. Um, and so, from then on, I was like a huge Halloween fan. Um, and once I saw Halloween 4, like... I think uh, that opening in Halloween 4 with the credits is incredible. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Like, too good. Um, it's probably one of the best openings in horror film history. Like, yeah. for tone setting and everything. Um, but, yeah, so... I mean, I liked the other films, but obviously 3 was as a Michael Myers fan was a bit of a kind of lost effort. Yeah. Uh, and then five was, isn't a particularly good entry in the series. I mean, it's fun, but it's yeah. not great. Um, so for me, six just did everything that I needed it to do. Like um, it tied up the story. Uh, it gave me some kind of, if not a full explanation, some kind of like, hint as to what Michael Myers was and why he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I get, yeah. It had kind of like an action element to it. It had some like um, 
it's got this kind of like amazingly kind of like I guess it feels weird now, but at the time it was like this kind of very fresh, flashy, like very well stylized shot. look to it. Very and well shot. Big one. It has an updated version of the original soundtrack that just incorporates like electric guitars and stuff. Yeah. And it is amazing. Like the soundtrack for it, it's never been released properly as like a a proper soundtrack. Like, yeah, six yeah. Soundtrack. There is like a collection of like Halloween six, four, five, six, and seven, I think, that has some tracks from Halloween six on it. Yeah, um, yeah. But there's never been a soundtrack release of Halloween six, and what a shame because wowzer, like it is. John Carpenter's score changed the way that people thought about horror movie music, but. Halloween 6 takes that and just makes it like modernizes it so well it's just amazing and then like the worst part is that everyone hates it and I'm yeah. like how like I mean I'm gonna have to sit down and rewatch this now seriously rewatch this film well you there's know. also a producer's cut so I managed to track down a DVD copy of this in the early 2000s right um, that had they use DVD elements and then VHS rip stuff for when the yeah. original scenes were placed back in. And it's a completely different film. Well, because they reshot, they had a bit of an issue, didn't they? Because they reshot the ending. Yeah. Um, but obviously, unfortunately, Donald Pleasance had passed away. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't able to, like, obviously be there. Um, and they cut, like, didn't they? They changed 20 minutes worth of footage. They added a load of gore to it because the initial cut is very close to um, the original film. It's got a much more, yeah. uh, a much closer tone to that. Um, the ending of the original cut, however, it pisses all over the the reworked version. Yeah, which I still think is very good, but. Holy crap, the ending of the original cut is just I won't even spoil it for you. Just I'm gonna need to go back and answer it. But it just sets up like the most amazing idea moving forward for the franchise that you're just like, oh my god. Like honestly, it was like a legend for years that I didn't I wasn't even hundred percent sure really existed. Yeah. Like um and you know like i used to just sit and read hours of production notes and theories and forums about this cut that like you know had yeah. very stills even existed from it and until i got hold of this dvd i just wasn't i wasn't sure that it was real and now you can like buy it on blu-ray like fully remastered yeah. this original <laughs> cut it's just insane like and honestly i don't think I saw Halloween Six coming at all in this list. It's phenomenal. No does. That's I, such, honestly, such a great choice. I love it. Um, like, and if if people can get over the snobbery of like, uh, it, it goes into like weird territory with the cults and everything, because that's what people always say. They go, "Isn't that that one where it's like all weird cults and stuff?" And I go, "Well, yeah, but that's kind of like the stuff that makes it good." Like, yeah. Um, and so I think I think if people really watched it. As like a like a proper sequel to Halloween Four, really. Yeah. Um, then it it works incredibly yeah. well, and like I say, it it answers every question you've 
ever had about Michael Myers. And I think in a very, very satisfying way. Um, like, you know, um, and the theatrical cut's great. The one downside of the original cut is that they used a temp soundtrack, which was the original soundtrack. Right. And I'm like, man, if you just had that revamped soundtrack on this initial version, it could have been, um, yeah. Um, I think also Daniel Harris didn't come back because they didn't no, she didn't hear enough. Um, and I think that fucking rubbed. So I think it's a little bit of a Velma situation where people just didn't want to like it before they even saw it because it had a, it left yeah. a bad taste in their mouths. And I think over the years, like I don't care about that. Give me some Michael Myers, and I'm 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 happy. You know, like so. Um, yeah, I I went into it kind of just as a pure Halloween fan and like with like no preconceived ideas about it or anything like, you know, in the mid, in the mid nineties or no late nineties, probably by the time it was on Sky TV is when I saw it. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, this is incredible. Like it's just answers all my questions. I love it. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been one of my favorite films ever since. That's such an awesome, awesome choice, man. I'm so, I'm so glad that you've got this love for that film because I'm, I'm never one of these people. I think this, who understands the pathological hatred for certain things, for you know, people just absolutely hate, hated Halloween three, hated Halloween three. I mean, I like I, it, but it's not one of my yeah. favorite Halloween films. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and Halloween six is, I mean, I remember watching it and going, oh, okay, this is, it's fun, but I didn't hate it. I didn't, you know, didn't, you know, I'd give it that opportunity. You want to give it that opportunity, don't you? You want to give it that chance and it's entertaining, it, you know, but I'm going to have to do another dive on this. I you've am going to have to. You've got to just, you've got to go in, put the preconceptions aside and just take it for what it is. I mean, for a start, Paul Rudd, yeah, Tommy yeah. Doyle, like so. Tommy Doyle was like a legendary character in like yeah. Halloween fan fiction all the way up until Halloween Six finally brought him back. So that was like a big moment. Yeah, and then it turned out it was bloody Hollywood's. It you know as as we were all discovering Halloween Six, Paul Rudd was becoming like a Hollywood superstar, and you're like, oh wow, like this is like feels like yeah. really legitimate. Like yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, oh man, great pick. Great oh, yeah. pick. Just if you know, it's definitely worth revisiting both versions as well. Is just a blast. I think I can see a, a, an episode coming on just dedicated to Halloween Six. I can I talk a about deep, it. Deep dive, definitely. Okay, so my choice, my final choice. This is from 1991. Oh. It is directed by Willard Carroll. Hmm. And this is a film that I probably go back to at least once a year. Okay. It is, and again, strange enough, it stars Alexander Goodenough. Uh-huh. Right, another one. So that's two in the list. Not intentionally, but it, it, two in the list. And it is The Runestone from 1991. Ah. I friggin' love this film. It is so, it couldn't be any more 90s if it tried. It is so 90s. It is, you know, it's a weird pick. It is such a great, and it is one of those films that I totally discovered 
at the video store, wandering in. I can even remember the day. It was a Thursday. Oh, eh? I remember it was a Thursday, and I remember just thinking, that is a really cool cover. That is just an amazing, and it's got the big, like, creepy hand reaching out, and a pair of, like, eyes in the back. I was just like, I'm in. Sold. And I just fell in love with it. You know, it's got uh, Peter Reigert as, and this is probably one of my favourite characters' names, as Captain Gregory Fanducci. Fan, what a brilliant name for a, for a, for a, a, a copper! Um, it's got Joan Severinsen in it, uh, William Hickey, and of course Alexander uh, Skarsgård. And essentially, this is um, an updated sort of idea on the Ragnarok story. Um, a Norse runestone is discovered um, in Western Pennsylvania, and essentially, what happens is the archaeolo- the archaeologist. Who discovers it becomes possessed by the spirit of Fenrir, um, and then goes on a on an absolute rampage. And it's got some tremendous set pieces in it, and the creature effect is really oh, yeah. good. The creature is uh, it looks a little bit like um, the unnameable. Yes, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's got like that kind of vibe to it. It is such a fun film, and it's like. It's proper comfort food, this one, because it is just so 90s, so 90s. And like even the dialogue is 90s. It's got William, um, you know, uh, William Hickey is in it. Um, Most people remember him as the old uh, grandfather from the uh, Christmas Vacation movie where he takes his wig off with um, the hat. The guy from Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, where the cat crawls out of his throat that's the one yeah yeah it is just no sorry he's the he's the guy who hires the guy who's yeah that's it that's it that's the one that's the one that's um but yeah oh it's just so much fun and like fanducci throughout is all like uh greatest fucking candy in the world as he's flicking these one sweets and everything is the greatest fucking this and fucking that and fucking that it's just brilliant absolutely brilliant and it's just, it's so much fun. And there's, a, there's an entire sequence um, where Fenrir crashes this sort of, um, this really uh, ridiculous, like, art exhibition of, like, living art. And he gets into there and he's, like, ripping the, the, the this sort of, uh, this person who's, like, sat in this, like, Perspex box doing some ironing. And he's like getting ripped apart, and all these like art snobs are watching, going, "Hmm, very interesting. What a car!" And it's it's just brilliant. It is utterly, utterly brilliant. It's yeah. Uh, it's another one of those that I just I've I saw I've seen it a long time ago, and I just it's just I just haven't watched it since. I've I'm a I mean my uh, my video list today is is a good one. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, you can find it for free on the U of the Tube. Well, yeah, I mean, I t- you know, that's uh, oft- oftentimes these days, if I can't find, if you can't find a, a anything past a VHS release. Yeah. YouTube's your, your boy. Um, um, I got it on DVD, actually, but there is something really, really good about watching the VHS rip. Yeah. Watching I, it yeah, in VHS. Yeah, you can find one of those. Like, it's, uh, I do... You, the, it's got a nice vibe to it. 
there, yeah, there, there is a there's, a there's a wonderful aesthetic yeah. to it. Um, it is oh, it, it's just I can't I can't wax lyrical about it. Look, in terms of in depth analytical uh, pieces, the Rune Stone is not one to get deep on. It's just well made moves like lightning it doesn't slow down it is so much fun and i recommend it to absolutely everybody oh, no, um, you know it is just so much fun <laughs> yeah i remember i remember you know the vague the vagalities of it I, I but yeah i can't remember how i feel about it or anything like it's a lot of fun i do like the cover though i've seen I, you know that's it's one of my cover. favorite uh video store memories to see in the cover of that yes yeah, a really good one do you have any um before we wrap this one up do you have any honorable mentions that they didn't quite make it on your uh, list obviously the two guyver movies mutronics the movie <laughs> and, uh guyver 2 dark hero uh which count absolutely they do absolutely um <clears throat> i guess like anything made by full moon uh all the puppet master movies uh <laughs> all 12 of them uh plus their spin-offs um no uh i'm trying to think like i say i really wanted it i really wanted to bring drive up uh the because whenever i like uh people go oh, like you know what, what what name one of your favorite films i'll go drive and they go all right yeah that uh nicholas wind and reffin movie about uh with ryan goslin <laughs> and they start chatting away about like you know uh kavinsky and and all this stuff yeah no i mean I mean the 1995 Mark Tacascos martial arts extravaganza starring <laughs> Kadeem Hardison, uh, and they're like, "What?" I'm like, "Where he goes on the run with a bionic heart chased by a cowboy," and, <laughs> and they're like, "Eh?" That's yeah. one of your favourite films, and I go, "Absolutely, it is." Like, <laughs> yes, sir. <clears throat> so, I, but it's not horror. So I, it, technically, I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't justify having it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess most of my honourable mentions we've probably honourably mentioned. Yes. Um, it's also hard to know what didn't get uh, a theatrical release. Like, it's hard to figure out what didn't yeah. technically yeah. get a theatrical release and uh, and what didn't. Like I say, with Halloween 6, I had a feeling I'd missed it at the cinema because that was the kind of thing I'd have watched out for at the yes. time. And so yeah. the, my first awareness of it was, was the VHS. So I was like, okay. Yeah. So I checked, and it that that passed the test. And class of '99, just luckily, luckily went yeah. straight to video here. Um, I I guess here's one. There's no way this got a fucking cinema release. There's just no way. Um, it, I guess technically it's a horror, but it's also like an action sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. Um, but it's great. Um, it's Christopher Lambert's post-apocalyptic rendition of the legend of Beowulf. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically, it's from the producers of Mortal Kombat. Yes. And you yes. can tell because it basically starts with a knockoff of the Mortal Kombat music. Uh, <laughs> and then goes straight into like basically Beowulf via the medium of Mortal Kombat. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, but it's great. I love it. Absolutely adore, adore. It that. is a good one. It is a good one. Um, I got a couple that kind of like. Ugh, the Go other on. was the first power, Lou Diamond Phillips. No, I'm not familiar with it. Oh man, oh, it's a great one. 
Um, basically, Lou Diamond first plays a copper who uh, takes out a serial, uh, a Satanist serial killer who somehow has, uh, tr- is able to then, tr- after he's died, transfer his body into various other victims. It's, oh, oh. it's just, and uses sort of teleportation and possession. Just brilliant. And um, oh, I frightened the shit out of me when I first saw it as a kid. It is such a good film. Such a good film. And Jeff Cobra is brilliant as the villain in it. He's just brilliant. I mean, he's got a voice that can cut. It's just so gravelly. Um, and he wears like those, um, the mask that he puts on at the beginning. It's like a see-through kind of one that's all a bit distorted. All right, yeah. Utterly brilliant. Utterly, utterly brilliant. And it's just really, really fun. Um, okay. So the first I power, I, I, like I, honestly, like usually people say, "Oh, a film," and I'll I'll look. God, oh, I recognise the cover. I've seen the never, never in a million years. First power, great. I've really yeah, good. I've completely slept on this one. I've never, never even heard of it. And you uh, know, good old Lou Diamond Labamba Phillips, yeah, isn't like, it? I do like a good Lou Diamond Phillips movie. So uh, <laughs> yeah, excellent. No, I'm always I'm always happy to uh, to uh, yeah to 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 be introduced to new movies. The other one was yeah. Shakma. Oh, fucking love Shakma. Yeah. Um, <laughs> such yeah. a ridiculous realm. It gets fucking uh, brilliant. Yeah, um, that was right at my. I, I, I guess I never talked about this, but I, ha- I have like I developed like a fear of monkeys for a while when I was. Yeah. Um, and it all started with the ITV series Chimera. Oh my! I rewatched Chimera recently. It well, is... I had to rewatch it. Oh, two th- I finally someone finally because it, it's really hard to get hold of. It is, yeah, yeah. So someone finally put all the episodes on YouTube in like yeah. 2009, and I finally got to watch the whole thing and kind of put it to bed in my mind. Yes. But for a while, I accidentally had the end of episode one. Tape- oh. After an episode of Bucky O'Hare, so that's how old I was. <coughs> so that's Bucky a... O'Hare finished, and the end, <laughs> the massacre at the end of episode one of Chimera, yeah. where the monkeys just running around slashing people's throats and fucking killing them, was just after an. And like, so for years I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's fucking terrifying. Like, <coughs> it's such, and, and again, Chimera is such a good series. Oh such yeah, such a good series. It probably would have been on here. Had it not been a TV, like, because oh. it is, it does exist as a straight to video movie as well. They cut it down yeah. into an hour and a half. Yeah, they did. Um, which is where I initially tried to watch it, but I was like, ah, hang on, there's loads of stuff missing here. Like, yeah. I know I've seen other things here. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, but then that started this horrible fear of monkeys for me. So, stuff like Shakma. Uh, Monkey Shines, The Shadow of Kilimanjaro. I was oh, like, nah, no, thank you. Shadow of Kilimanjaro is fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah. Where they oh. all start running towards them from the... Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh. Okay, and then my guess. last... So, for a long time, I couldn't watch Shakma because I was yeah. like, uh, no, no, thank you. No. Uh, even Congo used to give oh. me babies. Yeah. Um, it was was it, yeah it was a lot it was a while before I could watch anything with monkeys again. I couldn't even think about Chimera or I'd have like a nightmare about it. So, <laughs> it like, is proper nightmare fuel, mind you. It is oh, man, proper it's hor- scary. Horrible, horrible because it's like a half human, half monkey yeah. monster child yeah. 
thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And my last honorable mention is Return of the Living Dead Part Three. Oh, so good. Like, just superb. I rewatched it last night and it is just phenomenal. It is um, just brilliant. Brian Yusner produced it. Yeah, yeah. No, he directed it. Yeah, he directed it. um, And it's one of those films. This is what I'm talking about with this kind of like polish that you get on a lot of films. It looks looks fantastic. Every zombie effect in it looks designed to perfection. And they are very different from the zombies in the original two. Yeah. Um, Because they're more gloopy, they're more deformed, they're more... There is something... They're more like monsters than just like people yeah. like, with like, you know, like some makeup on their faces. Like, yes. I mean, outside of the tar man. Yeah. You know, but like the original two are more kind of traditional zombies. Yeah. And there's, an, um, and there's no goofiness in this one. There's no that, I mean, like a silly yeah, vibe to it. It's got a very kind of Mutronics the movie vibe to it. It's yeah, uh, it's the same. Uh, I think it's Screaming Mad George who did the. Yeah, you are. Uh, I think, yeah, I think you're right there. Um, so it's got very much that kind of like zonoid. Every, every creature's a monster rather than yeah, and it's you know, sort like, of and it's designed like that. And it's sort of like it takes the franchise into some really dark places. Yeah, it does, and like it's sort of there are moments where it's like it, it it's sort of crossing over into like S and M and all sorts of like body horror self you know self-harm sort of qu- it's, it's just really good really fucking yeah. good I, honestly i love it's 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 like right up there as, as one of my favorite sequels of all time yeah um well yeah. maybe maybe we'll uh maybe we can do a a, a sequel podcast oh i think so i think i can feel one coming on i can yeah. feel one coming uh, on i mean like i love it i show it to anna all the time because she uh she's in love with uh mindy clark so she's, she's um great. and like great. uh for my wife you know, like uh, closet goth to show a Mindy <laughs> Clark in that movie is, you know, like if she's in nice. a bad mood, there you show a Mindy Clark in Return of the Living Dead three, and you, you're uh... for years I was like, oh, it's like female Freddy Krueger. Like I yeah. had no idea of the context of it, but yeah, it's what a great film. Like, oh, it's brilliant, brilliant, great, great, great film. Great. So let's wrap. We're going to wrap this bad boy up now um, because I know you are a busy, busy man. But before well, you know, we, well, you know, but before we go, I know you have got so many awesome projects on the go at the moment. There's so many things that sort of pop up on, on Facebook and Instagram, and all those different places. And it's like, oh, man, that's so good. Um, what have you got cooking at the moment? Uh, a few things. Uh, if you go to myco.co.uk, M-Y-C-H-O.co.uk, you can usually find most of what we're up to. But uh, yeah, we just had the world premiere of Horoscopes, which is our new anthology nice. uh, series that we've been putting together for now probably about seven years now, and it finally wow. uh, it finally came to fruition throughout the pandemic. So we managed to premiere the original uh, volume one this year, uh, and then we started production on volume two. Uh, which is uh, Chinese Zodiac this year. Nice. Uh, so um, then also we did a segment for Video Shop Tales of Terror, which is another um, anthology put together by Sing Lal uh, and Alex Churchyard. And we did um, 
a kind of 90s VHS inspired slasher called Egghead, nice. uh, which is kind of like a retelling of Humpty Dumpty's origin story through the uh, <laughs> through the veil of uh, plastic surgery gone wrong. Nice. Uh, you know, so it's it's just full of egg puns, basically. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then we're on Excellent. to... Excellent. Uh, yeah, oh, there we go. Cracking puns there. Oh! Uh, it's no yoke. Um, so, uh, and then, yeah, um, but yeah, we've got loads of... Uh, if you go to myco.co.uk, you can find out about all of this. Um, and uh, we're in production on Slash House 3. The ill-fated Slash House 3 that had to be put on pause during the pandemic. But now it's back and it's happening and hopefully it'll be in front of cameras in the next like month or so. So, um, and finally we'll get to the big beast that is SH3. Um, Amazing. Finished. Amazing. It's been a long time coming. Oh man, I'm really looking forward to seeing these. I, honestly, it is, it, it's really good to see the Slash House 3 is finally getting out there. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Cause you know, it, it, the, the, you know, the first two are great. The first two are, are are great, and they they're so rewatchable as well. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this. MJ, my man, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, you take care, my friend, and I'm sure we will be back very very soon. <laughs> following on from this one, you take care now, man. As always, I want to say a huge thank you to MJ for being on. Just, I just honestly, it's great. It's so much fun to record with him. And what a list! There's some, oh, there's some absolute belters on there. I mean, we probably could have done uh, a top ten, top twenty, maybe a top fifty. However, we'd still be three weeks later be here talking. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for interacting on social media. Remember, you can follow the Undead Wookiee over at Twitter. Um, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. Um, the YouTube channel is still there. Um, there's still a few th- some things on there. So, you know, pop on over. Give us a like. Give us a share. Say hi. Um, we're going to be trying, a, bit, trying uh, a little bit more of an effort to sort of make sure that uh, we're posting a little bit more regularly. Because uh, uh, not always so great at doing that. I always find I don't have things to say, which is bizarre for me. Anyway, our time, ladies and gentlemen, draws to a close. And it's all that's left for me to say in the immortal words of Count Duckula. Good night out there, whatever you are.